keep it we're gonna keep it <laughs> i was intimidated because uh, uh this is your host logan jones with me today's uh my co-host jason snow and jason has a really good ea sports voice <laughs> and i was so intimidated by him doing that a second ago that i i forgot how to bring us into our own show here on WNBA nation so uh welcome e- jason a sports <laughs> it's in the game it's, it's uh, really good <laughs> Uh, thank you, thank you. I, I I've practiced it since I was seven year old, seven years old playing Madden sixty four on uh, the N sixty four. So uh, it's been a minute, but I, I appreciate it. How you doing, Logan? I'm doing good, man. It's uh it's been an interesting day for WNBA news. I think we knew we were due for an episode anyway. Um, we're obviously we're going to touch on some big things today. We've got uh, an injury to the most prominent uh, NCAA women's basketball player in existence. Yeah, that we need to dig into with Dr. Jason Snow. That'll be here uh, just in the first few minutes of the show. And we also have some coaching vacancies that I think caught a lot of people off guard. Walt Hopkins is out at uh, New York and then Sandy Brondello out of Phoenix. So we're going to touch on those topics today and kind of a quick hitter episode for you all. Um, but welcome in. I uh, hope your holiday was was great. We've had a, a couple episodes since the, the playoffs ended here in our offseason. We're going to get back on track here with more regular episodes as soon as Jason gets some good internet. Uh, which we're all super. <laughs> it's so for. close. It's so close. Uh, yeah, no. And for those of you, uh, who normally join us on stream and maybe sad that you're seeing a podcast episode come out and you didn't see us on Twitch, uh, we apologize. My internet is so poor that like I'm just barely keeping up this, uh, this chat or this, uh, internet call that I've got going with Logan. AT&T is installing fiber on my street like right now. And I don't know exactly when it's going to come to my house, but I'm hoping it's tomorrow. So. Anyways, uh, I should have better internet here soon, uh, but the reason we didn't stream is because we didn't have Kyle on. He's usually the one who runs a lot of our streams because his internet is the most reliable. But that shall soon not be the case. I shall soon have reliable internet, and it will be much better. Um, but yeah, the, we're looking forward to that. But yeah, uh, pay attention. We're working on getting our schedule more regular. So we'll be kind of announcing what that is as far as what all of our schedules will allow, but that's a great way. Um, I guess, Logan, you mind if I just, since I'm already talking about Twitch, you want me to just run yeah. through the, the list? Uh, yeah, so if you want to enjoy this show live, uh, you get some a little bit behind-the-scenes stuff as well. You can join us on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash WNBA Nation. Give us a follow, and if you are an Amazon Prime member, you can give us a subscribe for free. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything. It comes out of your Amazon Prime, and it helps support the show. Um, or if, out of the goodness of your heart, you feel like helping the show, you can always donate there. Uh, or subscribe. Uh, it costs a couple bucks a month, and we get to put a little bit of that in our pockets to help keep the show afloat. In addition to watching us live on Twitch, uh, we encourage you to listen to the show. You can do that anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, rate and review. If you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, we will see that, uh, and we will read it on air and give you your own little Logan sounder uh, leading into that <laughs> for that five-star review. If you want some merch, go to store in or wnbanation.storeenv.com. You can get some t-shirts, uh, hats, socks, water bottles. We got all sorts of stuff over there. 
And, uh, yeah, if you want to interact with the show, uh, in any other way, we usually do that via social media. Head over to Twitter. We're at WNBA Nation Pod. Again, that's at WNBA Nation Pod on Twitter. Uh, and we're pretty active over there. So, uh, shoot us a DM, uh, give us a call out. We'll, we'll interact with you there. We have a lot of fun. Did I miss anything, Logan? Very good. You hit them all. We're, uh, we're all about efficiency on today's episode because, uh, Jason's, <laughs> Jason's got finals and, uh, iffy internet. And I've got a sleep schedule that's totally shot. So, <laughs> um, without but we are here for you, <laughs> we, we are, are here, here for you, for you. especially with, kind listener. with the stuff that's going on today. I'm glad that we're touching on this. There's actually a couple stories that PTI touched on today, which, um, you know, when those guys are talking about women's basketball, that some pretty momentous things have occurred. So wanted to, to get to first things first here. Um, Jason, Dr. Snow. With roughly 40 seconds left in UConn's beatdown win over number 24 Notre Dame the other day, uh, sophomore Paige Beckers went down with a tibial plateau fracture in her left knee. It was a scary-looking injury. Um, she went down holding the knee, knew it was going to be something we were going to hear about soon after. The fear was it was going to be a tendon. We were going to worry about, like, is she is it an ACL? Is she going to be out for the year? The expected uh, injury recovery time is six to eight weeks. But you know a little bit more about tibial plateau fractures than the average person. So before we talk about what this means for UConn and the college basketball landscape, let's talk about what this injury means for Paige Beckers and what her recovery is going to look like for the next two months. Yeah, so a tibial plateau. So first of all, you have to understand the tibia is the main weight-bearing bone in your lower leg. So your lower leg has the tibia and the fibula. Um, The tibia bears most of the weight. So as you're standing, jumping, running, doing any of that stuff, most of that weight's going through the tibia. And the plateau is the very top of the bone. So right where the the that the tibia connects to the knee, you've got kind of a flat portion. That anatomical landmark, that flat portion, is what we call the tibia plateau. So to fracture that, um, if you think about it as kind of like an upside-down pyramid, you've got kind of the wide base on top, and then it kind of narrows out into the main uh, body of the bone. The reason that's such a bad injury is because you can't put very much weight on that at all uh, during that initial recovery process. So you, you go through the first couple of weeks of that injury. As that bone is fragile, you've got to keep pretty much all weight off of it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure her doctors are, you know, they've obviously seen the x-rays and know exactly what's going on. But you've got to be very tender with that. Um, and it's going to be a while before she's up on her feet, uh, putting any weight on it, let alone jumping, taking shots, doing stuff like that. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nasty little injury. Um, there are definitely worse ones, but, uh, um, not, not by, by large margin. So, um, six to eight weeks, I think that she'll be okay to play. I would be surprised to see her get full minutes, uh, before maybe even the tournament. I, I would say that even if you bring her back, you, you let that bone strengthen up, you let those muscles heal. Uh, I, I don't know that I'd be putting 35 minutes on a player in that condition. Yeah, that's uh, just picturing having anything happen to like the front of your shin um, yeah. <laughs> that has you off your feet for, for two months. Makes me feel like she's probably not going to be on the court much during that time. Uh, it's going to be a true mm-hmm. sit back and, and recover type time. So any hopes of her being back for the South Carolina game, we're going to have to keep tabs on. Um, because that's obviously coming up right in that kind of expected window when maybe they will have her back. This is a UConn team that is currently, let's see, they dipped a little bit in the standings. They're, they're currently still ranked number three in the country 
in the AP top 25. In the coaches poll, they're number two behind South Carolina, um, who's obviously nine and zero and kicking everybody's trash right now. Um, yeah. This it's, uh, this hurts them um, for obvious. She's the reigning play of the year. She she leads the team in basically every stat, or she's you know second, first or second on the team in points, minutes, rebounds, assists, steals, basically anything you can think of. She's the best player in college basketball. Um, that absence is going to be felt more so because Ozzy Fudd is also out for a couple weeks with a foot injury, which happened just a few days before this. Um, UConn had to finish their game against Notre Dame the other night with eight players. So a team that's usually known for unbelievable talent and depth is suddenly kind of on the brink of maybe maybe a little bit of a, a rocky road ahead, um, more vulnerable than we're used to seeing them. By the time we get to March, I fully, fully expect them to still be in. I mean, they're going to be safely in the top 25 and they're going to be in the bracket and they're going to be in. Um, but yeah. between now and then, there's some time for other teams to do some damage. So what do you uh, what do you expect this UConn team? I mean, just just knowing what you know about UConn and Gino in general, how do you think they're going to get through the next two months without Paige? I think they'll be mostly fine. I don't think that they'll dominate. I don't think that if they have to play somebody like South Carolina without Paige, that um, I would give them much of a shot. That being said, uh, I even without Paige, if she was gone for the rest of the year. I'd be shocked to see them drop below a two, maybe a three seed into the tournament. I, I, I think it's still a good team. Uh, UConn still year in, year in, year out is getting the best recruits. Uh, Gino basically gets whoever he wants out of the, the high school world. Uh, so I'm not that worried about them long term. Um, and like I said, I think that, I think that she'll probably, assuming that her recovery goes well and there's, there's not complications, I think she'll be in full form come March. And uh, if you ask the Chicago Sky, it only really matters as long as you peak right before uh, the tournament or the playoffs. Because if you go into the tournament as a three seed, you can still come out on top. And I I think UConn could very much be in that position where they're kind of going to slump a little bit in the middle of the season, but they're still going to come in uh, in in a position to to take a a run into the tournament. And I I think it'd be very easy to see them doing that if the team can get healthy right at the right time. Yeah, under some circumstances, I think it can help a team. I mean, it's not ideal, but like if you lose your best player, other players are forced to step up. You learn how to get yeah. into the flow of an offense without them out there. Maybe that can pay off in March when you need to get your players rest in, in games where you're playing back-to-back days and you're you're playing wild and crazy games in March. That being said, Paige is as close to a quarterback as you get on an NBA court. Um, I don't yeah. think UConn's going to look the same at all without her out there. And I, I know they've got plenty of other all-conference level talent that's going to be there. But to me, I, I actually wouldn't be shocked if UConn took a significant dip. There's a lot of other really good teams right now that I, I think are going to take advantage of this and maybe move up in the rankings ahead of them. Um, two months is a long time in the college basketball season. So, yeah, we'll, obviously, we'll, we'll have to kind of keep tabs on this story. I know a lot of women's basketball fans kind of get into uh, the WNBA and like the larger basketball landscape around college first and foremost, because UConn is probably the most visible team around and Paige Beckers is kind of a one in a million, not just talent, but she's branded herself. Well, she's just a sophomore this year. She's already more of a household name than a whole lot of players that have made it to the league. So we, we care about what happens to her on this show because she's part of the future of the WNBA. And I, I think that everyone would agree with that. So, this is uh, it's an injury you can heal from. 
it's not the ankle that she'd hurt previously, but it's also one that we're going to have to keep tabs on because it sounds like it would hurt. So <laughs> if nothing else, yeah. um, obviously we're, we're hoping for a, a full and quick recovery for her because she's good for basketball. And uh, I'm sorry for all the UConn haters that had to sit through that segment, but I think you understand why we had to cover it. Um, any further thoughts on Paige before we jump to coaching, Jason? No, I just, you know, I hope that she has people in her ear because a lot of times, especially um, from players that I've talked to, when you're in the middle of a season, um, you, you get that sense of family with your team, and that seems to be all that matters. And so I hope that there's somebody just talking to her saying, hey, don't rush back on the court. Uh, you don't want this to be the end of your career because obviously she's got a very promising career coming up in the W. Um, and you don't want, you don't want a premature comeback from an injury to, to further complicate things. So, um, I, as, as a Yukon not fan or not, not fan, uh, you know, <laughs> fairly, fairly, uh, uh, unopin, I, I, sorry, I'm saying this terribly. It's been a long time since I've been on mic and I just finished finals. So I hope everyone forgives me. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people are either Yukon lovers or haters. I find myself kind of in the middle. I like Yukon, but I'm not, you know, uh, uh, on the bandwagon per se. That being said, I want Paige to be the best by the time she gets the W. And so I'm, I'm a big proponent of take your time, make sure it's good before you push it again. Cause you, you, you the last thing you want is to turn, you know, two months into 12. That, that yeah. isn't good for anybody. Yeah. I completely agree. I, I'm kind of with you. I, I enjoy UConn, but I enjoy them as a villain. I do see them as kind of a, as particularly mm-hmm. with Gino at the helm, I, I see them as for a long time, they were kind of a, a plague on the houses of the other programs trying to make way in, in the NCAA. And lately, even with Paige healthy, um, I would even go so far as to say that the, the playing field has mostly leveled, at least across the top of the league. There's a, there's a tier of good teams in the tournament every year and it has been for the last couple of years now to where it doesn't feel inevitable that UConn's just going to run the table every year. And they haven't, um, mm-hmm. they, they are still wildly successful and they're still pretty much the gold standard in terms of programs, but other recruits are going other places. South Carolina looks unbeatable this year. There's going to be a lot of fluctuation at the top. There's going to be teams that come into, you know, out of obscurity. BYU are, are not so friendly friends to the South here in Utah. They're rising up the standings quickly um, there's, there's, a, there's more good teams now that are ready to step in when UConn is, is not playing its best. And, uh, particularly in the next couple, couple, couple games on their schedule. I mean, they've got Georgia tech, UCLA, and then number 10 Louisville, um, on the 19th. That's, that's going to be, uh, yeah. we're going to learn some things about who's going to try to step up on this team. So keep your eye on UConn. We'll move on now to WNBA news. Some shockers in the last 48 hours in the world of coaching. Yeah. First, uh, we we learned in the news that Walt Hopkins is out after two seasons in New York. The Liberty went 12 and, what, 20 in this last year was their record. They they made it into the playoffs, but they were eliminated in the round of single elimination. Uh, they won just one of their last nine games headed into the playoffs. They didn't end the season well. But still a surprising uh, turnaround from a two-win season the year before. And extra surprising because he was the first hire um, the Liberty made after un- coming under new ownership in 2019. Um, kind of oversaw a lot of the big drafts. They've, they've had tons of picks in the last two drafts. It looks like a lot of them are really working out. Michaela Onyenwere is the reigning rookie of the year for the Liberty. Uh, you've got Sabrina developing 
looked like you had a team coming together nicely, and now Walt is out of there. We don't really know why. What was your initial reaction to hearing this news, Jason? I was really surprised. So Walt, to me, seemed like somebody who had a vision and was actually pulling it off. We we talked about this. The Liberty basically just uh, gave up everything they had and said, we're going to build a team around Sabrina. And obviously, 2020, that didn't work out so well because of the injury. You only get two wins. But I always feel like coaches have to have at least three years to show you their vision. And so you have the 2020 year where it's a complete rebuild. It's it's not going well. But what you saw in 2021 was a sign of life. It was this plan is going in a good direction. What you you know, you win six times as many games as you did last season. Uh, that's nothing to, to to, you know, scoff at. And so I was really surprised in terms of performance. I think that Walt Hopkins in New York performed well in terms of getting wins um, and, and keeping that going. Now, what we don't know is how things go in terms of vision. So obviously you've got fairly recent ownership change uh, in New York um, and you've got new people coming in with that. You've got new minds and there could have just been a disagreement about process or about uh, vision, about how do you get New York to be championship contenders? And maybe, you know, maybe Walt is, is really sold in on this idea of developing the players he's got, you know, he's got Ionescu, he's got uh, Michaela Onyenwere, like he's got these players that he sees the vision and he's trying to develop. And maybe he was getting a lot of pressure to to drop some of those players and try to bring in, you know, top of the league talent, kind of what Chicago did with bringing Candace in. And maybe he just disagreed with that and they just decided it was easier to part ways than try to reconcile those vision differences. That's my only read on it, because I, I can't figure out why else you would do that, because I don't see how it could be based off of performance, given the improvement that you saw in 2021. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Logan? Yeah, mostly the same as yours. I mean, the the wording, you always have to read between the lines with wording like this, but it says that he and management came to like a mutual decision. A lot of times that's just code for management was going to get rid of you one way or another, but maybe you could save face by you know, mutually parting ways or whatever like that. But in this case, I think maybe there really was a difference in opinion of where the team should go. Um, I don't know what that would be is, is what's confusing to me because this is a New York team that not only do they have exciting rookie, uh, I guess rookies going into their sophomore years or Sabrina, who's going into really her second year playing because she missed most of her rookie year. Um, but you also have some, uh, Nigelani and Natasha Howard locked up for the next couple of years. So you know what your core is going to be and you know yeah. that you can win games and you've got Dee Dee Richards and Sammy Whitcomb and all right, with these other players, Jocelyn Willoughby, who's young but interesting. Like it's it's a mostly young roster. It's almost entirely a young roster that is is kind of ready to to yeah. start winning. And it's weird to change the formula now when you're I think just about to start to see the payoff of the last two years of hard work. So very strange, um, but also the dude he was thirty six. Uh, he was an assistant with with the Minnesota Lynx. I'm sure we're going to see Walt around the league or elsewhere in basketball again soon because I think he's got a promising future ahead of him. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously we root for him. And we want the Liberty to be good because the league is going to be a lot of fun when the Liberty really start clicking. And they, they showed us what that might look like for a little bit of a stretch last year. And then I think reality caught up with them a little bit. So hopefully we get similar flashes this coming year. I, I wonder if things with Walt will clarify once we figure out who they're going to hire. Uh, it sounds like they didn't have anyone in mind to hire right away, but 
you know, depending on who it is, maybe things will start to kind of crystallize when it comes to that position. That probably wasn't even the most baffling vacancy of the last two days because <laughs> uh, finals contender Phoenix decided to part ways with eight-year head coach Sandy Brondello. Um, also, just out of the blue. As, as far as I know, there's been no rumblings of that at all. Um, and even more cryptic was the press release for that particular announcement because it doesn't feel like there's any sort of scandal incoming. It doesn't feel like there is any drama between her and, and ownership. Uh, they were very, you know, the, the general manager, Jim Pittman, was very grateful towards her and the success that she's had, and she's part of the X Factor family. But, and this is kind of the... This is the big quote that I think we're going to take away from this announcement. Um, we understand that an eight-year tenure for a head coach is an exception in any professional sport, and we are confident a new voice is necessary for our team at this time. Our expectation is to compete for championships now and in the future, and the search to find the head coach who can help lead us there has already begun. Sounds to me like Phoenix might be preparing for a full rebuild and that they wanted to get Sandy out before putting new pieces together. Cause I can't think of any other logical explanation for this. Um, as, yeah. Aside from simply Sandy wanting to step away from coaching, um, which I, I wouldn't totally understand. So this is a Phoenix team that just went to the finals. They didn't gag in the finals. They, they got beat. They played hard, but they got beat by a more talented team that had Kalia copper. Um, <laughs> you can't fault them for that. <laughs> um, you know, so we, I think we all knew that Chicago was better than their record last year. I think they were the superior team and I, I don't think you can hold that finals performance against coach Brandello. Um, but Jason, I know you have a theory here that, that I think might hold some weight and again, might be crystallized kind of in, in the future of what this team does in the off season. So I'll turn things over to you. What do you think about the Sandy news? <laughs> All right, so I'm going to I'm going to take it down two two avenues here. The first avenue is going to be my rational reaction and the second one is going to be my tinfoil hat one. So, uh I will let you know when we get to tinfoil hat area so that everyone can be prepared. Uh my rational reaction is this one actually this to me actually makes more sense than the New York news. And there's the reason why is because you look at Phoenix's core DT, 39 years old. Skylar Diggins-Smith, 31 years old. Uh, Brittany Griner, 31 years old. If you're going to go through a rebuild, Phoenix has to ask itself, is do we want Sandy Brondella on for another four or five years as we do this rebuild? Is she the one we're rebuilding with? Or do we have interest in, in getting a new, you know, new vision, new all this stuff? And so if you're going to, if, if management is sitting there thinking, you know what? Our team has gotten older. You know, Diana Taurasi, sure, she's got 15 seasons left in her, but she's going to leave at some point. Do we want the rebuild to happen under Sandy Brondello, or do we want some fresh blood and, and some new vision? And so for me, I see an actual, like, there's a reason to make a change now. And I don't see that with Walt as much, and that's why it's a little bit more confusing to me, that situation. Okay, mm. tinfoil hat time. Put that on. If I'm the, the office of, you know, the GM or whoever of Phoenix, one question I'm asking myself, and especially I, I think it's key that they, um, they emphasize being competitive in their, their, uh, their, their statement there. If I'm asking myself, what do I want Phoenix to look like in five or 10 years? 
The answer has something to do with Diana Taurasi and an easy way to keep her as a key portion of your program is to also keep Penny Taylor as a key portion of your program. And I see that as a very plausible move for them right now uh, to, to bring in Penny Taylor and you keep Diana Taurasi. Diana Taurasi comes on as assistant coach or chief screamer at players who aren't working hard enough, whatever you want to call her. Uh, and, and I see that as a, a somewhat viable option moving forward. And so tinfoil hat me says, if we have Sandy Brondello mid rebuild with Diana Taurasi retires, Diana Taurasi goes elsewhere to look for what she does post playing, you know, whether that's coaching or just, you know, getting a Nike contract and, and enjoying the lucre of that, whatever it is. Uh, I, I don't know that, that Phoenix is ready for Diana Taurasi's future to not involve uh the mercury and so uh that may be an attempt to to our future program is going to be still inside of the leadership of diana tarasi and this is a way to move forward with that so tinfoil hat that's my theory uh (laughs) but like i said this this really does make a little bit more sense to me in the fact that it probably is time for phoenix to to rebrand and this could be the 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 you know the genesis of that rebrand yeah, I, I enjoy the theory, um, and I do think it's something we can be confident in is that this is a move that wouldn't be made without Tarazi's approval. I think she's a, a big enough player and a big enough name in this league yeah. that Phoenix management isn't going to do anything to compromise their relationship with her. So we can be confident that this is something Tarazi feels good about, we hope. I mean, if we hear something different in the next few days, we'll obviously let you know on the next pod, but... Um, I, I'm just very interested in that wording because being competitive now and in the future feels a lot like going to the finals with, you know, whatever record they had this year, the fifth or sixth ranked team and uh, looking good doing it. I mean, I, I think I picked them to win more games in the finals than they ended up winning because even though we were all pretty sure Chicago was the best roster, it kind of felt like Phoenix was playing the best basketball at times this year. And a lot of that had to do with Brandello's coaching. Um, we just had, you know, Griner... Griner's renaissance year at age 31, like you mentioned, under her under her tutelage. So really yeah. interesting to see both of those coaches leave. Very interesting to see who fills those spots and how they do, because this is, you know, the balance of power in the WNBA fluctuates drastically from season to season. And one of the most constant things we've had since we started the show five years ago is the competitive Phoenix Suns. Um, mm-hmm. Or excuse me, the, the competitive Phoenix Mercury. Um just because they've they've been kind of with us since the beginning of our journey that started this whole podcasting thing for us, and they've been I mean they've been good the whole way. So, so if if I can take this an in interesting direction, Logan, I want to pose to you a scenario and ask you. We've we've talked on the show about how Phoenix uh, the the fan base there is one of the better fan bases in terms of showing up, getting loud, uh, you know, really making an impact on the way this goes. If you're part of that X Factor fan base and you see them make a coaching change, Diana Taurasi retires, and then they the the organization who's who's set on on this concept of rebuild sells off a Brittany Griner contract to try to bring in some more, you know, rookies and draft picks and stuff. And then you go with a ten win season and you miss the playoffs, <laughs> how much patience do you have? Like like genuinely how long do you stick around before you start just getting pissed and, and not showing yeah. up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think X factor fans are smart and they recognize the cyclical nature of sports and that not, 
not every, I mean, almost no team will maintain sustained dominance and greatness every year, like year in, year out. That's just not how it's going to work. Um, I think any team with Diana Trossi on it will always compete. But as you said, Father Time's going to come for her eventually. And maybe she will stay on as a coach. Maybe she will move to Europe and we won't see her for two years. And she'll just enjoy rest for her body <laughs> after all this basketball. I think she loves the sport too much to really do that. But we'll see. Um, what I do know is I, I think there will be patience so long as the Mercury find another way of having an identity. They have to find a player or a coach that gives them an identity because they've had that wins or losses over, over the last 20 years of Trazi's career. They've known, you know, what, like they've known who gets the ball at the end of the game, what type of attitude they're going to see from their team. They've known that. And if you lose Brondello and Griner gets shipped off to Dallas or wherever she lands and, uh, and Trazi retires and, and, tours the world and she's not around. I I don't really know who your new identity is. I, I mean, it's impossible for us to project what kind of trade offers and acquisitions they might make between now and then. But um, we, in a way we've kind of been preparing for this uh, shift with the LA sparks for the last full season now, right? Like we we've looked ahead. They don't have anyone on their books after next year, right? We know they're going to go on a spending spree. They're going to be a completely different new look team by 2023. It kind of feels like the rebuilding in the WNBA for some teams, it's a three-year process. And for teams that are run like the Mercury, it's a, it's a truly a reload process. We've seen that yeah. with the Minnesota Lynx. The Lynx are not interested in having 10 win seasons where they're out of the playoffs. That's not how they operate. I, I think the, the Mercury consider themselves one of those premier teams in the league that when when their players are run ragged and and too old to perform, they find other players and coaches who will perform. So I don't think we're going to get an Indiana fever or a Dallas wings or New York Liberty, you know, back to zero and working your way up from Mm -hmm. zero wins type season. And I think this is a move to somehow prepare for that, but I don't know what their vision is yet. I don't know what the plan is. I don't know if they know who their coach is going to be. If anything, maybe the Walt Hopkins news spurred this because as soon as one team's looking for a coach and you know, you're going to be looking for a coach, you kind of want the best options available. Yeah. And maybe it's just a case of if we're going to move on from Sandy, we need to do it now when we have our pick of, you know, if if you're going to coach a team right now, ah, actually, that's a good question, Jason. If you're going to coach a team right now, (laughs) if you're in the market to, to coach a roster, which one of these rosters are you choosing? Assuming that you care about, making money for the next couple of years of your life. Oh, um, gosh, that's a good question because New York has a fairly promising future in that it has a lot of young players who are showing a lot of promise. Uh, they're developing well. And so it, it's very tempting to want to step into that, uh, preset kind of cookie cutter mold and know exactly where the program's going and just kind of be able to, to shepherd that along and maybe reap the rewards of a, you know, a 20 win season this next year that would have happened anyways, just with natural player development. That being said, if Phoenix is doing what we claim they're doing, which is they have an eye on a rebuild and they want to, to rebuild around a coach's vision. 
that's also really tempting as a coach because not very many places do you get put in a position where they say, make this team what you want it to be. And, and if you have that kind of support, that's, that's really, uh, really tempting as a coach because obviously every coach thinks that their philosophy and their vision is, is the one that is the best. Obviously that's why they hold that vision and philosophy. So, um, gosh, (laughs) I, I'm genuinely stumped. Give me like eight seconds. I'll, I'll edit this out. Uh, okay. Uh, in baseball, tie goes to the runner in, uh, in, in very tough coaching decisions that get thrown on me at the last minute. Tie goes to the teal. I'd rather wear teal. There you go. There you go. And I, I know you're a California boy. So like the New York market has no, no effect on this decision for you. You're not, you're not phased by no, no. And, and, and even as much as I want to say that, I don't know that New York gets bigger lights in terms of the Liberty. Uh, obviously it's a bigger market. There's more people there. Uh, but fans are fans. And honestly, I, I think you'd be treated a little more royally in Phoenix than you would in New York. Uh, just because the fans there are going to appreciate you and love you so much. So, uh, not, not, uh, sorry, New York fans don't hate on me, but, uh, when you're as loud as uh Phoenix fans, we can talk. <laughs> That's fair. I, I do think New York has a, a potentially a, an easier pitch to swallow to coaching candidates right now, though. Um, both you start with the surf green, right? You start with the teal. Um, but then you move on to like, look, we've got Sabrina who probably hasn't had a full season healthy yet and is going to be a stud. You've got Onion Wary, you've got D.D. Richards, you've got, like like I keep mentioning, you've got Laney, who's a legitimate star, and Natasha Howard, who at any point can be a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. You know what you have for the next couple years there, and it's it's expected to be on at least an upward trajectory. It's just a matter of how high can you take that team and how fast can you do it. Phoenix probably takes some more work, and it's probably a harder sell. But because they're such a tight ship and, and a well-run organization and they're not interested in going through years of rebuilding, I think maybe the expectations are still higher for Phoenix, even though they've got like the aging team with the more unclear future. Uh, if you look at that roster right now, if you're a new coach, you can step in and get 23-year-old Sophie Cunningham, 25-year-old Kia Nurse, 23-year-old Bree Turner. Um, obviously, you're going to be without um, Diana Tarazi one of these days and uh, Skydig is 31, so she could be around for a little while, but she's had some injury history now too. So you don't know how long you're going to get her. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can still get some good trade value for Brittany Griner. If, if she's performing next year, she's probably still got some years left too. So I, I think the both are enticing, um, which is, I mean, part of what makes the, the vacancies so shocking is that there's such good jobs and, and the coaches that were already yeah. there were showing real promise. So the yeah, roster's, we would you know, we wouldn't be shocked to be sitting here talking about who's going to go to Indiana and Atlanta. Sure. Like we would expect that conversation. The reason this is surprising is because you know it's New York and Phoenix. Now it is funny you mentioned Indiana because I I did see ESPN had Pokey Chapman as a potential uh, filler for the Phoenix uh, the Phoenix spot, which we would oh. probably have to talk about. <laughs> oh my, I that's another episode. Let's <laughs> I'm going to bottle that and, and put it on a place where, where I, I can access it later. That, that is an interesting take at ESPN who doesn't watch women's sports. Apparently <laughs> they probably just Googled some names. 
Um, well, that's that's all very fun. I, I mean, I'm really interested in where these. Uh, it, part of why we do this show is we know a lot of listeners come to us, new fans of the WNBA. They want to kind of follow the story arcs that are going on with all the other teams beyond their own. So maybe you're a Minnesota fan and you watch all the Lynx games, but you want to know the goings on and the offseason maneuvers and stuff of all these other teams. So very interested in what happens to one of the league's kind of premier, visible, front and center uh, teams in Phoenix. And then one of its up-and-comers in New York that I think every host on this show was really excited about and still is. Um, so we'll obviously keep tabs on that. We're obviously going to... Also keep tabs on Jason's uh, tinfoil hat theory that Diana Trazi will uh, someday be coaching the the Mercury and getting technical fouls on the sidelines as a coach, <laughs> um, which I think we all want to see. In fact, uh, 10 years from now, if if we're watching a playoff game between Seattle and Phoenix and the coaches on the sidelines are Sue Bird and Diana Trazi, I think that would be a... <laughs> and there's a non-zero chance that happens. And that's, I mean, that's something we all definitely want to see. So <laughs> yeah, that's a. I I saw one article that threw Subert as a as a potential for the uh, the New York job, and mm. I just don't see that because Subert belongs in Seattle. I I I genuinely think that Seattle is part of her personality now, and I I just don't know that I see that. But it who knows? Maybe it could be. But uh, yeah. I if 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 Diana Taurasi takes the route of either basketball management or coaching. I genuinely want them to, to like, even if she's the head coach, make her title, the chief executive of screaming at weakness. And I'll just be happy. <laughs> like, I just want that to be her job title. I don't care what her duties are, but one of them has to be screaming at people who are expressing weakness. Cause that's a, uh, that's where Diana Taurasi is at her best in my mind. And, I I want her to stick in the WNBA, but the Blazers need a new coach. And I'm just saying <laughs> she wanted the job. Uh, all right. that's I almost got through the whole episode without mentioning my Trailblazers who are in a dumpster right now. Um, so I guess that means it's probably about time to wrap up. But thank you for joining us today, listeners. Sorry we couldn't get a, a Twitch stream out for this episode. But as we mentioned, we're going to fix our technical issues and get back at that very soon. So be on the lookout for notifications on Twitter and more streams and episodes coming later in the week and into next week. I know we've probably got plans for the holiday uh, weekends as do you, but from now until then, we're going to be giving you some fun content. We're probably going to touch more on the college basketball season as we get closer and closer to, uh, to March. Um, mm -hmm. I know we've mentioned it quite a bit today, but there's, there's been a couple of shakeups in the standings. Um, I know Kyle's probably been keeping a closer eye on that than, than both of us have in the last little bit. So um, that'll probably be later in this week's episode. We'll cover the NCAA landscape a little bit, but um, this was fun. I liked I liked getting Dr. Jason's take on how painful a tibial uh, platform fracture is. I'm going to make sure not to get one of those. Um, yeah, we've, <laughs> we've did, actually did we want to go into how to treat a pneumothorax? Because uh, that was the other yeah. sports medical news. <laughs> so we we've had we've today. been in the chat all day asking Jason about horrific sounding sports injuries, uh, including uh, is that the same as a collapsed lung? Is that like the official name for? A yeah, so lung? A, a, a collapsed lung means that you've lost the pressure on the outside of the lung. And that can be to uh, a multitude of, of reasons. Uh, a pneumo uh, generally means air. Uh, so you can have a pneumothorax, you can have a hemothorax, which means that you have blood around the outside of your lung that causes it to collapse. So there's there's a variety of things that could collapse your lungs, but perhaps one of the most common is a pneumothorax. And so 
Yeah, so it's a collapsed lung, specifically meaning that you've got air inside of your chest, but outside of your lung, which is not where it's supposed to be. This is fantastic. We're going to have to get a sounder for, like, Jason's medical <laughs> corner. And, it, like, in the future, when, when players go down with injuries beyond just, like, the ACL and the things that we're used to hearing, like, I'd love to hear more explanation on what's actually going on with what yeah. the recovery looks like with some of these. Because a lot of times, as, as fans and even as hosts in the media, sometimes we just think, like, you know, six weeks recovery time, but, like, hopefully she's back before that. And sometimes you forget that... If a normal mortal human endured such an injury, like we'd be on the couch for a, a good two months with zero desire yeah. to play basketball. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, ah, uh, thanks so much for joining us for this one, listeners. We told you we'd get in and out in a hurry. We're going to wrap this up in a tidy 40 minutes for you. Um, before WNBA Nation, I'm Logan Jones. I'm Jason Snow. And we got you next time.